Hey again, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of See It or Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies, playing in theaters, and streaming on your TV. Also this week, I'll bring you a new edition of Be Kind Rewind, Oscar Outlook, and Binge It or Singe It. For our featured movies this week, Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth take a dip in the Infinity Pool. A group of friends gather for a weekend full of fear. And Oscar nominee Bill Nye is living. First up, a couple's encounter with a mysterious pair leads to deadly consequences. This is Infinity Pool. Mr. James Foster, you'll have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. Wait, what would you say? That's for a significant sum. We'll build a double to send in for your execution. In this film, Alexander Skarsgård plays James Foster, an author who has been struggling with ideas for his next book. He and his wife, M, played by Cleopatra Coleman, travel abroad to a fictional country where they stay at a lavish resort. Due to the hostile nature of the surrounding city, guests at the resort are required to stay on the premises for their own safety. At the resort, the couple meets another couple, Gabby and Alvin, played by Mia Goth and Jaleel Lespert. Gabby tells James she is a fan of his, and James is instantly taken by her because, as a washed-up author, you are drawn to fans when they are so few and far between. One day, Gabby and Albin convince James and M to leave the resort for a day of fun and frolic. Upon returning that night, after endless drinking, James gets into an accident, killing the local man who was crossing the street. Freaking out, Gabby coaxes them to return to the resort and deal with the accident in the morning because authorities would almost certainly torture them if they reported the incident. When the four are arrested the next day, they learn the country has a mandatory policy that all murders need to be avenged by the victim's living son. However, the corrupt police have a method that would allow them to escape punishment at a cost. This option sounds intriguing to James, leading him down a path of ethical and legal compromises. I give this film a... I don't know. What in tarnation? This was one strange-ass movie. I personally was engaged, and it kept my attention throughout, so for me, it would be a see-it. However, I feel I would be leading most of you astray if I didn't give it a shove-it. It is most definitely an acquired taste... The cast is on point, especially Goth, who is just so dynamic on screen, and after star turns in last year's X and Pearl, this woman is quickly becoming this generation's version of Jamie Lee Curtis when she was the go-to person for horror films in the late 70s and 80s. But the storyline is just bizarre enough to have you sitting there asking, what the fuck, several times throughout. In fact, I think I actually did do that. Director Brandon Cronenberg proves that Strange does run in his family, as he is the son of famed director David Cronenberg, filmmaker of such titles as The Fly, A History of Violence, and last year's super strange Crimes of the Future. The director has quite a handle on amping up suspense and oddness with quite a few payoffs. 
Yes, it is another highfalutin tale about rich, entitled people on vacation, like the great HBO series The White Lotus and The Terrible, an inexplicably Oscar-nominated triangle of sadness. This falls somewhere in between, in my opinion. You know, think of it as The White Lotus on acid. So if you enjoy bizarre films, you may enjoy it, like I did. But if weird is not your thing, then go ahead and skip this one. Next, when a deadly airborne virus leaves a group of friends trapped in a remote lodge, they soon discover there is more to worry about than falling ill. This is fear. Believing what you fear will bring to the victim what they are afraid of. Contrary to our previous film, the main character here, Rom, is a respected author who has gathered all of his friends at a remote resort lodge so that they can celebrate him asking his girlfriend, Bianca, to marry him. The couple, played by Joseph Sikora and Annie Alanza, arrive at the lodge and Rom gets a case of cold feet. It is implied that this is not the first or the thirtieth time this has happened. Since everyone is already there, the group, including friends played by T.I. and Terrence Jenkins, decide to just have an enjoyable weekend. After all, they have all been tested for COVID, one presumes. That night, they each share their biggest fears, and Rom, looking for inspiration for his next book, which is a study on the concept of fear, takes it all in. Considering the haunted history of the location and the news of a new, quickly impending airborne virus that is causing instant death, the group now faces more than their deepest fears, as they are now isolated at the Strawberry Lodge with nowhere to go. When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a shove-it. And I give this film a... Shove-it. From the opening five minutes until the last minute, this movie was incredibly, laughably bad. Not a single frame of film used suspense or shock in a positive way. The characters were stock horror characters, from the creepy old woman working at the lodge, to the idiot friends who overreact to every little thing and make the worst decisions possible. When the demons finally arrive, taking them out one by one in ways that are inspired by their biggest fears, I was starting to fear the movie would never end. When one character, who is, of course, locked in a basement, starts screaming, Let me out! Let me out! I said to myself, Amen, brother, I feel the same way. This is another throwaway January horror release. The trailer was scarier, and even that wasn't scary. I guess the good thing is that the director made the film for under a million dollars, so it shouldn't be much of a loss, other than my time. Finally, facing a grave diagnosis, a man decides to spend his remaining months enjoying life. This is living. Mr. Williams, a little on the frosty side, perhaps. Not too much fun in laughter. Rather like church. What is it up? Small wonder I didn't notice what I was becoming. Dad, you're right. 
if only to be alive for one day. But I realize it. I don't know how. Set in post-World War II London, Living stars Bill Nighy as Mr. Williams, the head of the Public Works Department who spends his days with his head down doing paperwork in a sterile office filled with others doing the same thing. One day, he receives news from his doctor that he has a terminal illness and only about six to nine months left to live. Unable to tell his son, in part because his son's shrew of a wife won't let his son spend time with him, Mr. Williams decides to withdraw half of his life savings and spend his remaining days living the life he should have been living all along, including a night of drunken debauchery, befriending a former younger female co-worker, and buying new clothes and eating at fancy places. I give this film a... See it! Last week, Nye received a Best Actor Oscar nomination for this role. He really is stunning with his subtle emotional work. He transforms Mr. Williams from a man of habit to a freewheeling man. At first I was worried that I wouldn't enjoy it as much because I would have a tough time with the film um, because he speaks in such a low, hushed, graveled voice, as you may have heard in the trailer clip I played, and it was very difficult to hear and understand at first. But once my ears adjusted, I was all in. Sure, the story is nothing revelatory, and the film as a whole is touching and maybe a tad predictable, but Nye's performance is a wonder, and his nomination is much deserved after a career of highlights including Love Actually, the Pirates of the Caribbean series, and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. If you're looking for an uplifting film to see, this one is it. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap... Infinity Pool is in theaters now, and is a see-it if you like strange movies, or a shove-it if you don't. It really is an acquired taste. Fear is in theaters now, and it is a huge shove-it. Living is in theaters now, and is a see-it, and is my pick of the week. I don't have any quick picks or now streaming for this week, so let's move on to Oscar Outlook. As I mentioned, last week the Oscar nominations were revealed. If you haven't done so already, go back and listen to my live reactions to the nominations. It was fun, I really enjoyed doing that, and I really intend to do that with the actual Oscar ceremony as well. As far as my thoughts a week later, I'm still thrilled with the surprises uh, such as Brian Tyree Henry, Women Talking and Best Picture, um, and a lot of other things. And I think the momentum right now, though, is with Everything Everywhere All at Once to win Best Picture. However, in recent years, the frontrunner has run out of steam as it approached the finish line, so I'm not going to lock that in just yet. One thing of interest is the Best Actress nomination for Andrea Riseborough for the film To Leslie. This nomination was not on anyone's radar leading up to last week. It wasn't until actress Frances Fisher began to reach out to her friends and started a campaign on social media letting members of the actors' branch know exactly how many people would need to vote for Riseborough to garner her a nomination. It obviously worked. However, apparently the Academy is looking into the process because some campaign bylaws may have been violated. 
I guess some of the uh, tweets mentioned other potential nominees by name, discouraging people to vote for those actresses, which would violate Academy voting laws. They are meeting this week. I actually think I'm recording this on Tuesday. I think they're meeting today to discuss the situation. My personal opinion is I think the nomination should stand because I think a lot of this reaction is a result of shock as to who did not make it into the category. And rescinding Riseborough's nomination will not get any new nominee. It will just leave the remaining four. It's not like they're going to put the sixth place person in there. And honestly, it punishes Riseborough, who, as far as I know, was not directly involved in this. I mean, my opinion will probably change if it comes to light that she was. But as far as I know, she wasn't. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. As of now, I think the top races have the following people in the lead. Like I said, Best Picture, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Director, I think Spielberg's going to take it. Best Actor is a horse race, but I think right now Brendan Fraser may be in the lead. Best Actress, Kate Blanchett, although if Michelle Yeoh wins the SAG Award, I think she's going to win the Oscar. Supporting Actor, I think, is locked with Kihi Kwan, and I think Supporting Actress is pretty close to being locked with Angela Bassett. These will fluctuate as we move through the season in the next few weeks, but those are my gut feelings at the moment. Now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind. Continuing on my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was film starring animals. And my choices were Frankenweenie, Jurassic Park 3, and Mr. Popper's Penguins. Being the dog lover that I am, I chose Frankenweenie. He was a great dog. A great friend. The best dog a kid could have. When you lose someone you love, they never really leave you. They just move into a special place in your heart. I don't want him in my heart. I want him here with me. I know. If we could bring him back, we would. Directed by Tim Burton, Frankenweenie is about a young Victor Frankenstein who loves his dog, a bull terrier named Sparky. Introverted and withdrawn from his peers, Victor's family encourages him to play baseball. When he finally caves in, he ends up hitting a home run, But his glee is short-lived when Sparky chases the ball and ends up getting struck by a car and is killed. When Victor's science teacher gives a lesson on electricity and its effect on dead frogs, he digs up Sparky and turns his attic into a lab where he is successful in reanimating Sparky. Soon, Victor's classmates, as well as other townspeople, discover his secret, and the rest of the movie is a lesson on science running amok. Released in 2012 and featuring the voice talents of Catherine O'Hara, Martin Short, and Winona Ryder, Frankenweenie was nominated for Best Animated Feature at the 85th Academy Awards. The film is a full-length version of Burton's 1984 short film and is an homage to the original 1931 Frankenstein film. I really enjoyed this film upon its release, and it continues to hold up today. I think it's a nice Halloween classic for you to share with your children if you have any. It is currently available to stream on Disney+. Next week's Be Kind Rewind topic is an early film of a famous actor or actress. I'm going to do something new. 
Come to my Instagram later this week to vote on which of my choices I should focus on, and that will be the one I pick. Now, let's move on to the return of Binge It or Singe It. Oscar winner Octavia Spencer stars as a podcaster who uses her platform to help solve crime. This is Truth Be Told. 18 years, 10 months, 24 days. That's how long Warren Cave has sat in prison for the murder of Chuck Berman. I helped seal Warren's fate with a series of articles. But is there an innocent man in prison? And did I lead that charge? Now in its third season, which was very recently released on Apple TV+, this series features Spencer as Poppy Parnell, a journalist living and working in San Francisco who uses her true crime podcast to examine cold cases. In the first season, Poppy looks back on a 1999 murder case of Stanford professor Chuck Berman when a new look at evidence suggests that the convicted killer may in fact be innocent. Poppy struggles with the case because she was partly responsible for his conviction. The murderer, Warren Cave, is played by Aaron Paul, best known for his Emmy-winning role on the series Breaking Bad. The second season featured Academy Award-nominated actress Kate Hudson as the main suspect, Micah Keith, who is accused of killing her husband. Micah looks to her childhood friend Poppy for help in clearing her name. Keith is a notorious wellness guru who makes questionable decisions, leaving viewers to wonder her role in her husband's murder. The third season focuses on the disappearances of several teenage girls, and Poppy works with the school principal to bring more awareness to the case. I have yet to watch the third season, but I rather enjoyed the first two seasons, although neither was what would be considered critically acclaimed. As I think I've mentioned before, I just adore Octavia Spencer, and she is on my list of celebrities that I'd like to be friends with, so I will watch her in anything. I just find her charming. And I really love mysteries, so I get hooked easily on shows like this. Granted, it isn't a show that I would consider award caliber, but it is certainly a nice mystery to watch on a rainy weekend, so it is definitely a binge it. Well, that's it for this episode of See It or Shove It. I continue to be grateful for any time you spend with me each week. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month. And while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. Don't forget, you can now drop me a line at seeitorshoveit at gmail.com and let me know if you have any ideas or suggestions um, or anything else just to say hey. Follow me on Instagram at seeitorshoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcast. Come back later this week to hear my monthly look at upcoming releases with Trailer Talk and join me again next week to hear my thoughts on the horny old ladies comedy, 80 for Brady, and the Dave Bautista thriller, Knock at the Cabin. Have a great week, everyone. I'll catch you next week. This episode of See It or Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.